Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 55 of the Adam Shine Podcast, where we always bring you something fun and a lot of strong opinions and something different than what we give you for three hours a day on radio and an hour a day on television. And listen, it is the Monday before the NFL draft, and we are consumed with the NFL draft. It's all we're thinking about, all we're talking about. And we've got the best in the business. Greg Cosell is the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast. NFL Films senior producer and analyst, the great Greg Cosell. He's been putting together scouting reports, studying the film. NFL teams always ask him what he thinks. You see him on the NFL matchup show on ESPN with our friend Sal Palantonio. And he just put together... Close to 200 scouting reports on all these players who are going to be in the draft for Fantasy Points, the outstanding website that our guy Guru runs. And I'm telling you, you got you to gotta buy their draft guide. It is amazing. FantasyPoints.com. And Greg Cosell writes the scouting reports. And listen, Bob, I say I'm obsessed with the, with the draft, right? And it's all about the NFL draft. So on May 8th, it's Jolie's Bat Mitzvah. And obviously, we are beyond over the moon and excited. And with where things are in the pandemic, it looks like we could have a socially responsible party and a beautiful service. And, you know, she's done a great job in terms of her Haftorah and she's ready to go. And it's, it's going to be it's going to be wonderful and it's emotional. So why am I starting the draft podcast with that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because obviously the big topic in the NFL with the NFL draft is, you know, what are the 49ers going to do with that third overall pick? And I believe in one of my biggest takes leading into the draft, it's Mac Jones is going number three overall. And Mac Jones is going to be for Kyle Shanahan what Matt Ryan was. And it's crazy. When I say my whole world is built around the NFL draft, so Katie's pregnant with Jolie, and Jolie was a breech baby, meaning she was upside down. So we had to have a scheduled C-section. Katie had to have a, a scheduled C-section. So the date that the doctor gave was April 24th, okay? That'll be when we'll have the C-section, and Katie just looked at me, and she looked at the doctor, and said, if we push this off until Monday, is there any health risk involved? And the doctor said, no, absolutely not. Why? She said, well, Adam, why don't you tell the doctor why? I said, because (laughs) I have to host the NFL draft, 
The NFL draft always is going to be first and foremost. And that draft was, of course, the 2008 number three overall pick, Matt Ryan draft. So I like to remind Jolie every year that she was born on April the 28th as opposed to April 24th for the sole reason of the NFL draft. That is the only reason her birthday is April 28th as opposed to April 24th. It's her bat mitzvah coming up. We can't wait for it. Uh, she is just, she is the absolute best, the sweetest human being on, on the planet, the nicest person, and it's going to be amazing. And how's this for full circle, where all these years later, the topic is Mac Jones being Matt Ryan, who was the third overall pick in the NFL draft, Bob, in 2008. 13 years later, we're back to that conversation with the third overall pick. And Jolie Shine, who, by the way, happy birthday, Jolie. Her, and I'm, I've got a draft show uh, for CBS on, on Wednesday, so I'll miss her 13th birthday, but I'll be there for the bat mitzvah. I will absolutely be there for the bat mitzvah. But Jolie Shine's birth date was literally scheduled, Bob, a little unknown fact, around the 2008 NFL draft. That is a beautiful story, Adam. I didn't know the whole story. I knew that something like that had happened. You always mentioned it because you know us. We're always playing literally everything around the sports calendar. Everything. Literally everything. That is literally everything. You plan literally everything to make sure that that happens so you could host the NFL draft. Yeah, I think things have come full circle. I mean, and by I'm the way, if you, if you remember, that's when the draft was on Saturday and Sunday. So, yes. and it was only two days as opposed to the three-day extravaganza that that we have now. So, Joey likes to tell people that story that, you know, <laughs> and, and, but it is true. Like, we're starting to stress when we're going to take off. You know, now you got the NBA, of course, with the, the games, the NBA Finals in July. That's usually, you know, can't find Bob Stew. He's at the beach, you know, with his family. Oh, yeah. yeah so, now we got to figure that all out. We also have to figure out what's going to happen with this draft and... Listen, I'm going to give you my strongest takes for this upcoming draft. And I, I, I can't wait to see what transpires. There's so much drama and intrigue. Listen, Kyle Shanahan traded up for Mac Jones. Mac Jones was outstanding at Alabama. Fits Kyle's system. I don't think Kyle gives a damn about the court of public opinion. He, if he stayed at 12, Carolina would have picked Mac Jones. Here are my strongest takes for this draft. I believe Mac Jones is going number three, and it's a great fit, and I love it. I think draft weekend, the Patriots are going to get their quarterback, whether that's a trade-up or I think most likely they are going to reacquire Jimmy Garoppolo. The Falcons cannot take a quarterback. They must take Kyle Pitts. I think Patrick Sertan is the best defensive player in this draft. I think he'll go in the 8-10 to 10 range, and whether it's Carolina or whether he'll go to the Dallas Cowboys and he would be great for Dallas. I am pro the first-round running back. As you know, and I think that the Bills taking someone like Travis Etienne or the Miami Dolphins taking someone like Najee Harris to me makes all the sense in the world for those teams. And I think Devontae Smith, I'm not worried about his weight. I think he's going to be a star. Reminds me of Marvin Harrison when Marv was coming out of my alma mater, Syracuse, and he obviously had a Hall of Fame career. So those are my biggest, strongest, best takes Bob heading into the draft. 
You know what my biggest takeaway is, Adam? It just seems that nobody aside from you seems to know what the Niners were going to do at number three. I mean, the odds to me, that's my biggest takeaway from this. They've been all over the map, literally all over the map, which I love. I hate knowing who teams are picking, Adam. I love mystery. I yeah. hate seeing picks tipped on draft night because I want to be shocked. I want to be surprised. To me, there was nothing worse than spoilers. You know, people used to wreck the Avengers, Game of Thrones. I mean, those people are the worst. So are people who tip picks. I want to be surprised. The odds makers have had no idea what's going on, Adam. They went crazy when Justin Fields threw out his second pro day. He was minus 125. He was the favorite to go to the Niners. You know what I saw today, Adam? The odds for Justin Fields to go number three are now plus 700. He's not you going were so You were so far ahead of the curve. When you kept saying Justin Fields, 1% chance to go to the Niners, I was like, I don't know, 1%. I mean, that's pretty much nothing. That's that's a fraction. I was even skeptical when you were saying it. He's just not going to go three. I mean, that's 100% what's happened here. You know, assuming it is Mac Jones, like you've been saying, man, what are the Falcons going to do with four? I mean, I love draft season. I think it's so much fun. I think they go with Pitts. I wouldn't put it past Atlanta to take a quarterback, but that's just been my biggest takeaway here, Adam, the mystery surrounding this draft. Once you get past number three overall, I think all hell's going to break loose. I just can't wait for the draft. It's going to be a show. I'm going pizza and wings on draft night. What are you going with? Of course. Yeah, okay, okay. Oh, if I don't go wings for a big event, I failed. I've completely failed. You got to go buffalo wings. You have to get extra blue cheese. That's right. None of this ranch nonsense. That's right. You got to go right. blue cheese. That's right. Yeah. If I if I don't go wings on draft night, Adam, I've completely failed. So that's that's what's on tap for me for that. Bob Sue nailed it as he always does. Greg Cosell is the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast. You're gonna love it. You're gonna enjoy it. And he's all over the NFL draft next on the Adam Shine podcast. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey everyone, this is Nicole Auerbach and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast, the absolute best in the business from NFL Films, senior producer and analyst. You see him on ESPN 
on the NFL Matchup Show all the time. And his draft previews on FantasyPoints.com, it is absolutely off the charts amazing. My guy, the great Greg Cosell. Greg, how are you? Adam, thank you for that introduction. I really appreciate it, and it's always good to be with you. It is so great to have you, and you've been with us on on radio, on TV, just like Carson Palmer last week. Now I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast. And, and Greg, first and foremost, you know, I have the FantasyPoints.com draft preview, and you wrote the comprehensive, in-depth breakdowns. I've learned so much about every player in this draft. How much fun is that for you on a on both a personal and professional level? Because I I know the time that you put in, all the film that you watch, and then to put quote unquote pen to paper with your official reports and have it up on John Hansen's outstanding website for fantasypoints.com. How much fun is that for you to dive deep like you did on fantasypoints.com? Well, Adam, you know me. What I love is the process. Yeah. So I just love sitting and watching. And, and I watch a lot of games. They're full games, and it's the coaching tape. And to me, it's all about the process. Once we have access to the results, and results can stem, as you know, from so many variables. But it's the process that gets me excited. To me, it's kind of an intellectual and academic challenge. And, you know, of course, when you evaluate a player um, – where they go, how they're coached, how they're deployed, those are things you, you don't know. You have a sense of how you see them, how that should play out, but you don't know exactly how that will play out. So for me, the fun is just sitting here, watching the players, looking at their traits, their attributes, seeing how they play, and then just, you know, I sit here and I type it out. I, it, it's almost like a stream of consciousness, but I try to get through at least three games, at least, of every defensive player. And offensive players can be a little different. Um, receivers, I tend to watch their past targets. Uh, and I will watch some games, but past targets will tell you an awful lot. guy who catches 80 balls probably has 140 past targets, so you're watching him run 140 routes. That's interesting in terms of the past <clears throat> targets. When, when did the, was that always something that you would keep your eye on in terms of your film evalu- evaluation? Yeah, I mean, I do it too as well because I'm trying to get through as many guys as I can. And the reality is, look, like I said, I'll watch some games too uh, just because you want to see just to some degree how they block. Although in today's NFL, for the most part, as you know, receivers are not chosen in the draft because of the way they block. Uh, So, I mean, I try to get a feel for it, but for the most part, you want to see them run routes. Now, if they have a great matchup, I'll watch that. So, for instance, if if I feel that, you know, a receiver is going to go up – in a game and he's going to run 70% of his routes against Patrick Sertan, you'd like to see that because it's Patrick Sertan. Uh, But those are specific situations. This is a great breakdown of the breakdown. I I love this stuff. And I know everyone listening loves, you know, the method to the madness on this, Greg. I, I, I'm such a geek for this. This is awesome. I love the process. 
It's the process. I mean, that's what teams do. It's the process. You know, once we have access to the results, Adam, everybody's a genius. That's easy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everybody's a genius when you know what the result is. Um, but I just, I just love the process, and I've always loved the process. Ever since I got into coaching tape, which started about 1991 or 1992 with the NFL, um, to me, it's 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 a process. That that's the fun of it. It's it's the exercise. It's going through the exercise. That that that's the the intellectual challenge for me. Do me a favor. Go through that in terms of your career and background, because I've just been mesmerized by you, frankly, and you know what you've done and the career that you've built and the respect that you have. For everyone in the media, for NFL teams, for executives, how did you get into this and how did you become the senior executive producer of NFL films and such a well-respected, the most well-respected NFL draft analyst? Well, I'll give you the very Cliff Notes version, or we'll be talking about it for way too long. So the matchup show started in 1984 when Steve Sable walked into my office and basically said, I think I might have an idea, and you're the guy. Let's try a matchup show. And, I, and this, if you knew Steve, that was the end of the conversation. Then it's yeah, on sure. you. That's yeah. it, then it's on you. So basically, that's how matchups started. Um, and then in about 91, 92, with the latest, is when we got the coaching tape. Now, I grew up in Queens, okay? Now, my high school did not have football, so I played basketball and baseball. So when I got the coaching tape, for me, that was an intellectual and academic challenge because I wasn't coached in football. I had no background in, in, in being coached. So for me, it was 22 moving pieces on every single play. And then I had to learn the game. And I just started seeking out people to, to teach me the game of football, you know, really teach me the game. And in addition to watching the tape, which was a brand new deal. And I've been so fortunate working at NFL Films that I was able to meet and, and get to know a lot of people who could teach me. And probably the, the one of the great things in my life was that I got to know Bill Walsh pretty well. Mm. And he's the guy who taught me the quarterback position, which I always find fascinating when I evaluate a quarterback and people on, on Twitter tell me, you know, you should really stay away from quarterbacks. You don't know anything. You know, when in <laughs> fact, it was Bill Walsh who taught me the quarterback position. Um, you know, but I've been so fortunate that I've, I've learned from really people smarter than I, and I just love the whole deal. I mean, like I said, it comes down to the process. I love the process. And you're always learning, and I'm not that's the key thing. When you think you know, that's when you don't know. So you're always learning. I'm always reading. Uh, I'm trying to talk to people. You know, sometimes I'll talk to a coach and he throws out a few phrases and I understand exactly what he means, but I just say to myself, wow, that's a great way to describe that. You know, and you just, you're constantly learning new ways, new approaches to see things. Uh, but that's, and then, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate that I started as the producer and I guess some people thought I knew, you know, what I was talking about, um, and I got a chance to do some radio and some TV, and it's just kind of ballooned, and and it's you know it, it's fun. I mean, you could be doing a lot worse things in life than watching football. Yes, that that is true, Greg. What was that like learning about offense and quarterback play from Bill Walsh? Oh, I mean, it's funny. The first time I went out on a shoot for NFL Films, I can't remember the year. He was not coaching at the time. Um, so I, I can't think of the year, but people could look that up. But we went out to do a shoot with him. And actually, the shoot involved Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and Roger Craig. So they were oh, there as well. Wow. So <clears throat> for some reason, we just kind of hit it off. So the shoot's over, and, you know, we're – 
the crew's packing up, and I'm just shooting the breeze with the guys. And Bill Walsh says to me, come on, let's go to lunch. Oh, like, wow. Bill Walsh like, said, let's go to lunch. And I'm like, what do we, you know, you talk, it was like, you talking to me? I, you know, I, I felt like uh, <laughs> Travis Pickle, you know, Robert De Niro in, uh, in Taxi Driver, you know? It's like, you talking to me? Um, so we went to lunch. And again, he, he, he spoke, I listened, but we had lunch for an hour and a half. It was beautiful. That was the first time. I had a few more of those, but, but I, I couldn't believe it. And it was, you know, and then he actually gave me his book signed and he, 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 uh, wrote from one professional to another, you know, signed at Bill Walsh, and it was the greatest thing. I mean, that story has given me the chills. I can only yeah, I mean, imagine so, what it's doing for you. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, you know, every once in a while I'll pick up the book, and I, um, you know, I just read certain parts, particularly the quarterback stuff, just to, you know, kind of re-energize myself as I evaluate quarterbacks. Because, you know, the one thing I learned is when you evaluate a quarterback – you evaluate a quarterback to be a Super Bowl quarterback. You don't evaluate a quarterback to go eight and eight. You don't evaluate a quarterback to make a few plays. You know, a lot of guys can quote unquote make plays. That's that's not how you evaluate a quarterback. And the other thing I learned is when you evaluate a quarterback, you isolate his traits and attributes. You you isolate him in a vacuum. So it doesn't matter how many touchdowns he throws. You know, that, that doesn't matter. Those are just numbers. You have to isolate the quarterback, the play of the quarterback. Now, there's a context, obviously. You have to un- understand the offense in which he's asked to execute, but you have to isolate his traits. Let's get into this quarterback class. But that's a perfect segue. Trevor Lawrence, I believe, is going to be one of these players in the NFL. Is one of these prospects that is on that short list in terms of what he did on Saturdays and what he could become on Sundays where he really can be this unbelievable you know, quarterback in that Andrew Luck, John Elway kind of scouting report and what he could be at the NFL level. We've talked to a lot of people about that. Greg, what did you see when you went under the hood on Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I think he's a really good prospect. I don't get caught up in generational. Those words don't mean anything to me, as you know, Adam. But I think when you watch Lawrence's tape, and I actually watched him last summer. I was home, as most of us were. So I watched seven, eight games last summer. And then, of course, I watched a ton this year. Um, He's clearly a high-level prospect. He's got size. He's athletic. uh, He's got arm strength. He made more big-time throws than any of the quarterbacks that I watched, where you just went, wow, that, that's a great throw. Um, and one thing I really liked about him, which I think is really important in the NFL, was his willingness to attempt those throws. He was willing to turn it loose. And I think that, to me, could be in someone's DNA. Some guys are just not willing to turn it loose. He is. I thought he threw with touch and pace. I thought, for the most part, his ball placement was precise. I thought he improved from 2019 to 2020 in what I call elimination and isolation. Most people like to say processing. I think of it in terms of eliminating what's not there and isolating what is there within the structure and timing of the play call. And I thought he improved in that area. Um, I think his pocket movement still needs some work. He climbs the pocket really well, Adam. But I think laterally he needs to improve a little bit. Um, But I think he is a high-level prospect. Now, a lot of people talk about the nature of the Clemson pass game not being as detailed as NFL pass games. But you could say that very often about a lot of college pass games. So I don't know if that is, is in and of itself a criticism. 
What about Zach Wilson, who we anticipate to be the number two overall pick in this draft going to the Jets? Yeah, Zach Wilson was an interesting guy to watch because he played a very comfortable game. He was hardly under pressure. But I will say the thing that really stood out to me about Wilson, he's got a very live, loose arm, and his body is very live and loose. Um, I don't think he has a power arm. Like, look, you you know the game well. So think of someone like Matthew Stafford. He's got a power arm. Yes. I don't think Wilson has that kind of arm, but it's very live and very loose. Um I think that his lower body mechanics are a little reckless and undisciplined. Uh, I'm not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, so I don't want people to think that he's Patrick Mahomes. But Mahomes was very much like that coming out of Texas Tech. And it's one reason why people had concerns about him. Now, here's a classic case where now that we have the access to the results, it seems like everybody was stupid. But I remember being at the Combine, and there were a ton of coaches who were concerned about Mahomes. But... Obviously, it's worked out. But the point I'm trying to make is Wilson does have a little bit of that loose, undisciplined way about him with a little bit of a schoolyard element to his game. But a lot of people like that. We live in an era where people talk about off-script plays, outside-of-structure plays. He certainly can do that. Um, he's he's a very quick-footed athlete. He's got a very easy throwing motion. He's a natural thrower of the football. Take me through your scouting report on Mac Jones and how he projects into the NFL. Yeah, Mac Jones is, is, is a very polarizing guy with people I've spoken to. And I'll tell you what I think, obviously. But I've heard some people tell me that they think he's Joe Montana. And I've heard some people tell me that they think he's a backup quarterback in the NFL. So he's really all over the board. What he is... And there's no mystery to Mac Jones, Adam. He's a highly efficient executor and ball distributor. That's what he is. And... Obviously, the Alabama offense under Steve Sarkeesian was so well-schemed. And so when you watch him, you have to try to get a feel for the difference between predetermination of throws and anticipatory throws. Because think of it this way. When you call a play, you really would like the ball to go to the primary receiver. That's the, the play call. So you call a play based on the, your anticipation of the defense, based on probability and tendency. So when you get the defense you anticipated based on film study and you call a play and the quarterback throws it to the primary and he throws it with great timing and theoretically great anticipation, is that anticipation or is that predetermination? So it's very hard to know that at times. Um, but he's got a lot of really good traits. I mean, the ball came out quick. He was accurate. He knew where to go with it. Um, I thought versus zone coverage, he was very good throwing into windows. Um, he threw a very good deep ball. Um, he was not a strider, so that helped him uh, when there were bodies around him, which were not very often, by the way, but he was not a big strider. So he's not going to make off script outside of structure plays. And that's become the big debate is, is that essential or is it still a luxury? You know, are you limited to not being quite good enough to be a high end NFL starter Adam, if you can't make off script plays and you can talk to 10 different coaches and you'll get 10 different opinions. So, but that's the issue is, is can he be a great player in the NFL? If you do not have that ability. What about Trey Lance? Where do you stand on Trey Lance? Yeah, Trey Lance to me is a fascinating guy. Trey Lance played under center more than any quarterback in this draft. Um, 
And I think that when you look at Trey Lance, you see a kid that's really a live athlete. He's got a live arm. He's got explosive movement traits. Um, He executed the conventional play-action pass game, and by that I mean the pass game where he was under center and turned his back to the defense. That's a learned trait. If you've not done that, that's a little bit disconcerting. He's done that more than any quarterback in this draft, so he's the most refined and advanced in that regard. Um, Obviously, people are going to look at the level of competition where he played, I'm not sure what that means. If you love his traits and you think he'll be that guy, what difference does it make if it takes an extra two or three months? Does that really matter if the guy, if you think he's going to be a top five special guy? Uh, probably it doesn't matter to me. I don't know how you feel or others feel, but uh, that doesn't matter to me. Um, I think that he's got some things that need to be worked on. His delivery at times was a little elongated, dropped the mm-hmm. ball to his waist. It won't change it totally, but you can tighten it up a little bit. Um, I think that he wasn't inaccurate. He wasn't scattershot, but I thought he missed a few too many routine throws. You can't miss layups in the NFL. How about Justin Fields? Do you believe that he will be a big-time quarterback at the NFL level? Yeah, he's a guy that the more I watched him, I kept going back and forth, and I ended up really feeling pretty good about him. Um, You know, traits are one of those terms that can mean different things. You know, uh, traits, you know, Mac Jones has great traits too. They're just different. His traits are not of the athletic variety that we tend to think. You know, Mac Jones doesn't have a gun and he's not going to run around. Justin Fields has a gun. He's got a 65 plus yard arm, as coaches like to say. He's got really good athleticism. Um, I thought that he was late with some throws and a little deliberate at times with some throws. But after what happened last year with Justin Herbert, I'm not sure what that means because Justin Herbert came into the NFL with clearly defined issues on tape, and those issues did not occur in the NFL. So, again, now you get into coaching, you get into scheme, you get into all these other areas. So Justin Fields had a few things like that where I thought he was late um, with throws and – uh, maybe that'll happen in the NFL. Maybe it won't. But you're talking about a kid with a big arm who can uh, also feather the ball and layer the ball with pace and touch. He can move around. Um, the one thing I don't know, which coaches will know, by the way, uh, because they can get to people I can't, is there were times that Ohio State struggled with pressure, blitz pressure. Hmm. And so I don't know if that's on the quarterback or if that's on the offensive center. I don't know the answer to that, so I can't speak to that. The Indiana game was a great example of that. They blitzed a lot, and it caused meaningful problems for Ohio State. I know they put up a lot of points, but it caused some problems. But I don't know the answer as to whether that's on Justin Fields or that's on the center calling the protections. I don't know that. Greg, do you have a clear QB6 or a quarterback in this draft who – you like a lot who you think maybe isn't getting the attention in certain circles that you want to give some love to right now? Well, I think the two guys that people look at next are Kellen Mann and Davis Mills. Um, you know, I, I think Davis Mills is, is an intriguing guy. He's got a knee. There's a knee issue with him that, by the way, could could absolutely be a problem that people might not want to draft him or, or might think twice about it. But, but, 
Davis Mills is a kid that I really wish had stayed in college. I mean, he made 11 starts in his three-year Stanford career. He was a big-time five-star recruit coming out of the Atlanta area as the number one pro-style quarterback. He's not a statue. You know, he's not going to run around, but he can make plays here and there outside of structure. He looks really good throwing the ball. He's, you know, when you watch this kid drop back, he has clean footwork on his drop. He sets up beautifully in the pocket, holds the ball exactly where you're supposed to. Easy delivery, no wasted motion, good arm. You know, looks the part. Clearly looks the part. Um, he's he just to me needs a lot of work in terms of what he sees his progression reading just his comfort playing the game you know he's just a guy that does not have a lot of starts so assuming the knee is not an issue adam i'm i'm wondering if 3 years down the road could this guy be a quality NFL starter? He, to me, is totally going to be a function of where he goes and who coaches him. He's not even close to being a finished product. You're a tape guy. You have to tell me what you see when you turn on that film and you study Kyle Pitts. Well, I personally think he's the best overall prospect in the draft. Totally you know, agree. It's fun. I watched him last summer, and last summer um, – he was like fifth on the tight end list, you know, cause you know how that goes. I mean, and again, it's no, nobody's wrong or right, you know, when a guy ha- still has more football to play. But I'm watching him last summer, and I'm seeing he's fifth on the list and considered like the 55th best prospect. And I'm saying to myself, wow, this kid's going to be a top 10 pick. And, you know, obviously then I watched him this year as well. I, I, to me, it doesn't matter what two letters you put before a name or after his name. He's a receiver. And you can line him up anywhere in the formation. And he's he's just a special athlete. I mean, he beat corners. You know, there there are play. He beat Kelvin Joseph for a touchdown, who's got first round traits as a corner out of Kentucky. He beat Tyson Campbell for a touchdown when he was the single receiver to the boundary, and he basically just ran by him. And Campbell is a four three nine guy. Um, he caught a, a back shoulder against J C Horn, who'll be a first round pick. Um, you know, the team that, that lined up the tight end as the single receiver to the short side of the field the most over the last two years in the NFL were the Chiefs with Travis Kelsey. And you can do that with Kyle Pitts. And the reason that's so important is that particular formation gives the quarterback a lot of pre-snap information. And you're always trying to help your quarterback research the defense before the snap of the ball. Pitts can help you do that. I think he's going to be incredible. How about he's, the yeah. – hey, I mean, Greg, he's going to be a tremendous NFL ball player who makes an immediate impact. And, you know, I mean, the way you just broke that down in terms of looking at his film and what he can be and where the NFL is now, I mean, yep. this is a guy – I don't want to be subject to exaggeration, but he could take the league by storm here. Yeah, I, I thought he was uh, the best prospect in the draft overall, and it'll you know it'll be interesting who who ends up drafting him because I, he's certainly not going in the first three. I don't think Kyle Shanahan made that trade to take Kyle Pitts, so he's not going in the first three. So then you start with Atlanta, and who knows? I mean, but I think that uh, he's just a special player. I think he'd be great in Atlanta. Arthur Smith, look at what he did with the yeah, tight end. Yeah, oh, you're right. Right? I mean, wouldn't that be a great fit for him? I mean, I know you don't do mock drafts, but, you know, you look at what they well, did in Tennessee. I, I think Atlanta would be a great fit for Kyle Pitts. 
in Atlanta, and I don't follow this probably as closely as you do, but I know they're in salary cap hell, so they might have to get rid of some people. Obviously, there's talk about Julio Jones. They don't want to get rid of him, but they, they might have to just because they're in, in, in deep trouble. But we'll see what happens. How about the top receivers? Speaking of, you know, you mentioned Julio, receivers in this draft. Give me your top three wide receivers and why in this upcoming draft. Well, to me, Jamar Chase is the best receiving prospect in this in this draft class. I, I loved his tape from last year, 2019. I think he's, without running down all his traits, people probably know what they are, but I, he's just a, a type A personality. He's an alpha dog. He's terrific running slants, which are a major part of the NFL now with all these RPOs. The game, the NFL passing game has evolved to where there's a lot more quick game, RPOs, three-step drops, quick five-step drops. So there's a lot of short passes, a lot of in-breaking routes where receivers need to be tough, physical, run after catch, play through contact. Jamar Chase is that guy. So uh, to me, he's wide receiver one. Jalen Waddell, to me, is very much like Tyreek Hill. And when I I think you can use him. That's another thing. There's Now the game is also where a lot of these smaller receivers, Adam, that we just automatically said years ago, oh, they're slot guys. Well, the game has changed. These guys now line up all over the formation. They're used in motion. They're used with jet sweeps, orbit reverses. The game is different. There's a ton of those guys in this draft. Waddle's the best, but you've got Tony. You've got... Um, uh, Amari Rogers from Clemson. You've got Dwayne Eskridge, a smaller school guy. Um, you've got Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. There's a lot of these kinds of receivers in the draft. Jalen Darden from North Texas, who I love, by the way. Um, you know, I think that these guys now fit the NFL game, but Waddle is the best. This guy, I, I don't recall seeing a guy with such controlled, efficient movement at such a high rate of velocity and speed. Wow. I mean, this this guy's body control at such a high rate of speed, I thought was absolutely special. I love Devontae Smith. Obviously, the weight based upon where he's going to be drafted is relatively unprecedented. I Yes. I, I love him. That's, you know, that's my take. He makes plays. What do you see when you look at the film? Well, I think Devontae Smith has really high-level receiving traits. But at the end of the day, and people can say what they want. You know, it's easy to say, oh, well, it doesn't matter how much he weighs. And maybe it doesn't matter, Adam. But I can tell you for sure, that's a discussion in draft meetings. It has to be, when a, yeah. When a guy's an exception, it's a discussion. Yeah. Now, you may come away from that discussion saying, we don't think it's a problem because this guy has great traits. Or you may come away saying, you know what? The NFL game is played much more in the middle of the field than on the perimeter because of the hash marks that we're just not certain. We're just not sure. And if we're not sure, we're not saying he can't play. We're just not sure. Then I don't know if he's a top 10 or a top 12 pick. Um, Because what this kid is, this kid is a long, thin, silky, smooth, linear strider. That's what he is. I mean, he can eat up ground. To me, if you if you love him and you're going to draft him anyway, to me, he's what we call a Z receiver, meaning that he's the off-the-ball receiver. He doesn't line up right on the line of scrimmage. You want him as the, the Z. The Z is the guy that can go in motion. Because what you want with Devonta Smith, Adam, is you want him to be able to have free access off the line of scrimmage. You can do that when he's off the ball and when he's in motion. 
because you want him to be able to build up stride lanes. That's how you maximize his vertical traits. That's how you maximize him getting into his routes comfortably so that he can break. He's he's almost the old school. Think of Mike Martz and, and the greatest show on turf. Yeah. Think of those routes yeah, where those yeah, guys yeah. – Build up speed, and they're speed-cut, rounded receivers. You know, they're not your sink-your-hips kind of guys. Smith is not a sink-your-hips receiver. He's a speed-cut receiver. I mean, he's got uh, – his body's not going to get bigger, but he was highly competitive at the catch point. He's got great body control. He's got great hands. Um, he's got traits. There's no question about his traits. It's just how you feel – and how you see him within the context of your offense. Because he's going to have to work more in the middle of the field. Who are your favorite running backs in this draft? Well, I would I would almost say my favorite runner. And, and he, he won't be the first back drafted because it's the receiving element that is so much a factor now. But I would say my favorite runner is Javonta Williams from North Carolina. Quick story before I give your evaluation. I checked in on Sunday night. We're taping this Monday afternoon with one evaluator who I trust. Just I always like to gauge smart opinions. He answered it the exact same way. Take me through this. Well, I just think that this guy has the contact balance that his ability to run through and break tackles is as good as I've seen in recent memory. His contact balance is so, so good. I mean, he's got size. He's got that build that you love for a back. You know, he's just under 5'10", weighs 212. I mean, he's got patience, vision. He's got subtle lateral quickness. He's not like, a you know, one of those shifty guys. But, I mean, he can work in confined space, and that's critical. Backs in the NFL have to work in confined space. It's not college where everything is spread out. Um, He's got burst. He's got power. And, as I said, his ability to run through tackles, I thought was absolutely special. But he's not really a receiver. So, you know, what does that mean in today's NFL? I guess that comes down to team and scheme. Yeah. Yeah. What about NTN and Najee Harris? Do you like them as pros? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Najee Harris, to me, improved so much from 2019 to 2020. And you rarely say that, Adam, about a back, because normally their running traits are their running traits. But I thought his quickness dramatically improved. I mean, I, I really couldn't believe it. I mean, I thought that his he just looked like he had looser hips. He was quicker. Um, he's a fun guy to watch, and he's a really good receiver. I wonder if he's going to break the mold, because normally 6'2", 230-pound backs, you never think about them as third-down backs. You know, you don't think about them That's as those guys. Point. So I'm wondering if he breaks the mold, but but... The, the only concern with him, but it's not a concern early in his career, is he's a contact runner. He's going he's gonna to take hits. Now, he's a big, big man, and he's a powerful man, but he is going to take some hits. But, uh, but he's got natural power. He's super competitive. I mean, he's physically tough. He's mentally tough. Um, he's, he's a tough guy not to like when you watch him, and I'm just so curious to see if he will be seen as a three-down back. How about the offensive line class? couple of studs, four or five other guys who can be super high draft picks. What, what do you see when you look at the overall strength of the offensive line in this draft? Well, 
I think you're dealing with with a pretty good offensive line group this year. I mean, yeah. that's a, it's a very deep offensive tackle class. Um, and I've been on a little bit of a rampage about uh, this. Um, I've been ranting a lot. People are probably tired of it. You know, you, you watch all these tackles, and all you hear is, well, he's a guard. Because I guess they expect everybody to be Joe Thomas. Huh. And, you know, there's not 50 Joe Thomases. Um, you know, the reality is you've got to line up with 64 offensive tackles every week in the NFL. And not everybody's going to be going to have sweet feet and have the perfect length that you want with the arm length that you want and great hand placement. Not everybody's going to be that guy. So a lot of these guys that don't necessarily fit the ideal mold, they're still going to play offensive tackle. And like I said a little while ago about receivers, you know, I think you're dealing in, in a league where there's not as many deeper drops unless it's play action on first down where you're going for a shot play, in which case you normally go seven-man per protection anyway. So uh, these tackles are not really asked to protect on the edge against great pass rushers for three seconds. The game's not like that anymore. So a lot of these guys, they're going to play tackle, and it's a really deep group. Now, the guy I really love to tackle, I love Christian Darasaw. Uh, I mean, I know Sewell is the guy everybody talks about, and I'm not saying he's not a good prospect, but I love Christian Darasaw. I think he would be great. You know, he could probably end up going in this draft. This is me talking here. Like, can you imagine? I'll get if the Chargers plucked him. Oh, that that would be perfect for Justin Herbert. I, I love that evaluation, Greg. He would be excellent. You know, it's a weird year in the draft in terms of pass rushers, right? Normally, you think yes. about those great pass rushers. You know, they go in the top five, top ten. There's a very realistic chance we have a top ten and. We don't have a single pass rusher selected. You know, the people I've talked to in the NFL, they're all over the map in terms of who they like. Who do you like who can get to the quarterback? Well, to me, the number one pass rush prospect, but he's got issues. So I think he'd be a top 12 pick if he was totally clean in all way, and that's Jalen Phillips. I think Jalen Phillips, to me, is your classic 4-3 D end. Um, I think he's got everything you want in a pass rusher on the outside. Um, but again, we know he's got issues. He had his first concussion at age 10. He's had several of them. Um, he obviously retired from football and then came back and played. So, uh, and again, I don't know the kid, so I can't speak to that at all, and I would never do that. But um, the other stuff's documented because it's medical. Um, but I think if you're looking for a pure 4-3 D end, I think that he's – the number one guy. Now, he may not be the number one guy, but I think the tape tells you he's the number one guy. Uh, let me throw out a name to you. And again, this guy's not going to go in the first round. And he's a guy that a scout told me about, so I ended up watching him. And he was originally a Florida recruit, and he got caught up in a credit card fraud scheme, and he had to leave, and, the, you know, the whole deal. Jordan Smith, who's at UAB, I don't know if you've heard of the name. Um, he's over 6'6, six, six, he's 255, he's got long arms. I thought he was one of the most intriguing edge players that I watched. Now, I have no idea um, about the you know how teams see him because he did have the the issue, but he's a fascinating guy to me. Um, I think if he was a totally clean guy, you'd be talking about him as a first round player. What makes him so good when you put on the film? He's got size. He's got length. He's got athleticism. Um, I mean, he's got 
really long arms, a really long wingspan. He's naturally athletic. He's smooth. He's fluid. He can bend. Um, I thought he had natural strength and power. You know, not that kind of country strong, like you think country strong, but just because he's a looser athlete, but he could bend the edge. He, he uh, I thought that he played the run pretty well. Um, the term we like to use is he could control and displace either offensive tackles or tight ends in the run game. He beat offensive tackles as a pass rusher. I thought he possessed all the athletic traits you want in an edge pass rusher, in addition to the, the fact that he has that coveted length. So many scouts and coaches talk about length, and I think he's got that. Um, the, you know, the question is, do people see him as a 4-3-D end? Is he a 3-4 outside backer? Well, what we do know is this. Teams play in their sub, meaning five or six DBs, well over 50% of the snaps. And in that, he's an edge pass rusher. Final evaluation question for you, Greg. The cornerback position. I, I think yes. we're looking at a bevy of corners going in round one. Who stands out when you study this class? Um, well, I think it's a pretty deep group. Uh, to me, and, and you know, maybe it's just personal preference, I love Patrick Sertan. Yeah. Um, I just think he plays the position. I don't, I don't recall, and again, you know, you lose track over the years, but I don't recall recently seeing a guy play what we call mirror match press man, and by that we mean that you don't jam the receiver off the ball. You just kind of let him declare his release, and then you just get in his hip pocket. I don't recall a corner playing that technique as comfortably and easily as Patrick Sertan. I mean, it looks like he's out for a stroll in the park. Um, <laughs> the guy he kind of reminds me of in, in that particular technique, mirror match press man, is Champ Bailey. And wow. I think we all recall that Champ Bailey was pretty good at this. All right, making me feel good. I started the podcast saying Sertan was the best defensive player in this draft, and I, I thought he was going to be a slam dunk and a home run. Before we let you go, I have to tell the audience this. First time we ever worked together, we did a CBS draft preview yep. show. And I'll never forget this. You thought the best player in the 2014 NFL draft, he happened to go 13, was a guy by the name of Aaron Donald. And you, yep. you were banging that table <laughs> studying the film for Aaron Donald. That's do right. you do you and by the way, he could end up going down in history as the best defensive player in the game by the time it's all said and done. Is there an all time favorite Greg Cosell evaluation? Um God, I'm trying to think. Uh I've done so many and, and you know, I don't think of it in those terms. Like I don't sit here watching tape in, in you know, in those terms and say, Wow, but, God, because I've been doing this now with college guys for, for a, a really long time. I mean, I, it's funny. I remember the guys that I got wrong. <laughs> sure, of course. They, they yeah. aggravate me to this day that I got them <laughs> wrong. And now and, – and because I know why I got them wrong, and it just pisses me off. <laughs> is, is there a guy that when you look back and say, ah, damn, I can't believe I got him wrong? Oh, yeah. I can tell you right now. Trent Richardson. Oh, I, you know what? I talk about that a lot. I thought he was going to be a star. Yeah. But I know why now I got him wrong. I know why. But I got him wrong, and I was dead wrong. I thought he would be great, and I was dead wrong, and I know exactly why, but I was dead wrong. But it's funny. Yeah, the guys that – and I'm not going to sit here and say, boy, Adam, boy, I get them all right, because, of course, I don't, you know – 
a lot of times you get guys wrong because of, of where they go, how they're coached, what they're asked to do. You know, not that I'm smarter than coaches. I never think like that. But sometimes I think, oh, I don't think they're being deployed properly. But he, I just got wrong because the traits were lacking. I mean, he was just so, he was just way too stiff. But, but without getting into all the details of Trent Richardson, but guys, I've, I've really like gotten right where I feel really good. Ooh, there are guys like that. You know, usually they're lower round picks. Guys I watch, you know, who I know are not going to be high picks. Again, I know they'll probably be day three guys. And then when they make it, I go, wow, you know, I really like that guy's tape. And I and I knew that in the right situation that guy could be a good player and it's worked out that's what it's all about greg you are the best i encourage everyone go read every evaluation fantasypoints.com greg you are simply phenomenal my friend love picking your brain i know how much the audience grooves on it too continued success love the bill walsh stories and we'll talk to you again real soon thanks adam really appreciate it my guy the greats greg coso Thanks for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Greg Cosell, best in the business. Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM. Thanks to our listeners on Pandora, listeners on Apple Podcasts, and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button because we don't want you to miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my SiriusXM radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Man Dog Sports Radio Channel 82. Thanks for listening, and talk to you again soon. The Adam Shine Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer of the Adam Shine Podcast, the great Bob Stew. The associate producers, Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Sound design by my guy, Robert Moore. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. And special thanks to SiriusXM Senior, Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the iconic Steve Cohen. Sirius XM Podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.